For almost a decade on my TV show, Interview with Ed, I've been interviewing extra-dimensional beings and consciousnesses from a number of different realms. Many of my questions have been answered, but with every answer comes more questions. Join me on my ongoing quest to find out who are we, why are we here, and where are we going? Good morning, everybody, or afternoon. We've got Tyler here. Hello, everybody. Um, yes, been a fan of your work. You know, we've done a couple online live events. It's been a minute, but uh, yeah, your, your stuff has been growing over the years. Your, your, um, your channeling definitely seems to be getting stronger. And before we get into all that, how did this start for you? How did channeling come into your reality? Well, sure. So, so my first exposure to channeling was Bashar channeled by Daryl Anka. And I found that information when I was going through sort of like, um, you could say a psychedelic initiation. I don't know how else to describe it. You know, I was probably about 18, 19 years old. Um, and I had a friend that I knew from early childhood that I started reconnecting with and he was getting really into, um, psychedelic. Uh, medicines. He was getting into breathing exercises, crystals, meditation. Like he was my first exposure into sort of new age spirituality. And I was so captivated by all of it because I was like, oh my God, this, this person's like an alien. Like I've never met someone into all of these things. Like right now, all these things are so ubiquitous because of the internet. But this was like before that time. So it was like I was seeing the entire new age universe condensed into one person. And it was so mesmerizing and special. So I started training with this guy I sort of saw him as like a, like a guru or like a mentor at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course he was also like 18, 19. So definitely not like a, a guru or anything, but in my youth, I would oftentimes look up to people, right. Who I right. felt were pioneers who were doing things in an unconventional way. He showed me Bashar's information and I was really captivated by the information because I felt that he was saying things I really wanted to be true. He was saying things that I also felt were true, but society had sort of convinced me otherwise as I had been developing. So for a while, my attention to the channeling information was just curiosity. And then I decided to apply the information. So okay. once I started applying that principle of picking the most exciting option at any given moment, just following it, it was like I opened some kind of portal. And I mean that very literally because it initiated a pretty much a full-blown like, kundalini awakening where i started having visions my behavior became completely ecstatic to the point where my family they thought i was like on drugs they were like he's like lost his mind i was like singing all the time dancing snapping my fingers i walk into my living room my parents are watching news and i'm like you're being programmed don't you see this is all this is all a lie time's not real guys and they're like Okay, like Tyler break his brain. Maybe <laughs> you should get some like health, like therapeutic help. Um, how old, how old were you at the time? I was twenty by the time all of this okay. happened. I was twenty years oh. old. Thankfully, I was never medicated for it because it wasn't like a psychotic break. I mean, it was a right. genuine Kundalini awakening. Um, I mean, it was a really, really powerful. I was seeing subtle energy overlaid on top of my body with my eyes open, I was having experiences that were so uh, powerful that they permanently impressed upon me the knowingness that all of these ancient texts, all of these understandings of energy 
were completely real. And that's why I had the experience in such a dramatic way. So I would never forget it. And I would never have to go through that process of, well, is this real? Am I making it up? It was like, that was the most real thing I had experienced. And that was right. why the experience was so intense. But like I had said, it sort of, you know, uh, traumatized my parents. They were like, we don't know what to do with our son. And it was, it was scary for them because right. I went from like normal kind of party person into like something they had no reference for. So they ended up sending me to this sort of, it was sort of like a drug and alcohol treatment center slash societal reintegrative center. Like the point was um, for the center to keep everybody in sort of a group therapeutic environment and slowly reintroduce the members of that environment back into society. That was hmm. sort of gist. Um, and so, so I stayed you in that. Yeah. That was about a year. That was about a year long. Um, so I spent 21 to about 22 in that program. Um, but the whole time I was there, I'm just reading about spirituality. I'm like meditating. I'm just using it as a monastery pretty much. And um, I started practicing channeling while I was in that environment. And I started a little bit before that treatment center, then after uh, seeing UFOs, uh, specifically triangular ones. And that had started happening before the treatment center, probably around age 20 that was happening. Right when I was having this, you know, sort of Kundalini awakening, and then following treatment center. At, at the center, were you um, were you channeling by yourself, or were you doing it in front of people? Good question. So I was, I would describe it like this: I would channel for other people without them really knowing I was doing it. So okay. they would like ask me about something, right? Or maybe I'd have something that I felt was spiritual in nature that would benefit them, and I would just pretty much opened my throat chopper. I just like, just laser beam the information. And I would watch it like change people. Like I was watching people who were like drug addicts, right? They were like injecting drugs. They were, and it's crazy because they're all young guys too. Like no one's older than 30 there, but these are like really ardent, like young adults. And I'm watching this information like blow their mind and like fill them with wonder. And I'm like, and that's when I knew there was something magical about the words I was saying, it wasn't just normal words. Um, mm. After that program, um, I stayed in touch with a lot of the guys from that uh, time. And that's when I started formally training in channeling. And I started channeling for them. I even taught one of them how to do it. And he made an accurate prediction his first time, which was very crazy. Um, it wasn't a very beautiful prediction, unfortunately. It was a very tragic one, but it did come to pass. But the, the point being is experiences, you know, in this sort of, you could say, beginning stage of the channeling that were successful, where just like that psychedelic awakening, I knew, right, this was like a real thing. They were so substantial that it erased this sort of skepticism or that questioning mind saying, is this real or am I making it up? I mean, it was like all of that got obliterated pretty quickly, which I'm very fortunate uh, you know, to be able to have experienced that. And many people, they go their whole lives sort of yeah. one foot physical reality, one foot in the energetic world, wondering which one's actually the real one, but it's always both in a certain way. Yeah. Especially at a young age to be able to, to really dive into those concepts and have those understandings uh, at, at that age. It sounds quite powerful. Yeah. And one of the things you had mentioned, let's see, let me pull up my notes here. You had mentioned testing the information. 
And, uh, and I guess that's one way you were testing it. How, how long did it take you to get results of following your excitement, no expectations or insistence to the outcome and the playbook, so to say, how long did it take for you to, to, before you started seeing results? Within a week of doing that, that's when I got shipped off, uh, pretty much to another state, right? That's when I went to the treatment center. So about a week applying that, literally everything in my life changed. That's what I meant when I said, um, it sort of opened up this portal. Like literally I left a reality I thought I was going to be in for a long time. I never thought I'd leave my home state until I was much older. But within Mm -hmm. a week of applying that, I mean, it literally shifted me out of that experience that was living in Delaware at the time. Um, I also initiated that open-eyed psychedelic vision as well, Mm -hmm. where I got to see all of the energy channels coursing throughout my body. I could see entities within my space. I mean, it was like full-blown, like probably what people would compare to DMT vision. And that was within a week of doing this. And that was without substances, without DMT? Uh, yeah, that was without DMT. Yeah, that was without psychedelics. There was no psychedelics involved in that state at all. It was like purely, it was a very powerful night. So the, the night involved pretty much me meditating outside during a thunderstorm that had like many powerful connections to it where before that thunderstorm came, I was in a car with my friend. We saw this like fly right in front of the car. It was just fair. There was a lot of things that just started happening that felt very uh, um, symbolic, if that makes sense, that felt very significant. And um, when I was meditating in this thunderstorm, this voice was just like, walk like you're in slow motion, as still as you can, go into your room and just sit in meditation on your bed. So I followed the instructions and um, walked up to my room, sat in the bed, and I uh, started just having closed-eyed visions. You know, I was seeing all types of things. I mean, it was, some of it sounds, you know, insane to say, right? Some of the things I had seen or some of the things I feel I had done in that mm-hmm. state. Um, but once I opened my eyes, I realized the psychic vision wasn't just internal. It was also like projecting all around me. So that's when I looked down at my body and I could see the acupuncture meridians, right? The nadis in yoga. Yeah. Um, I could see like light and dark orbs moving throughout my body. Um, I could see like strange beings in my room. Um, I don't even know what I would describe them as. They looked almost like those Asian guardian animals. They sort of look like dogs, if that makes sense. Dogs and lions put together. Yeah. Um, sometimes they're in front of temples and they'll yeah. be seated like a dog, right? With their hand or paw on one of those uh, right. flower life spheres. And I saw essentially one of those. In my space, I had never seen that type of, you know, thing really before, uh, at least not in that way. So anyway, that was all within about wow. a week. Following the formula, you know, following, formula, following the formula. formula. formula Sounds word. like a, an, an initiation time for you at that time. Oh, yeah. Did did uh, did the experiences um, say to do anything, any practice particular, like with breath work? I know you're... you're uh, uh, a practitioner in Chinese medicine and other uh, uh, Asian modalities, you know, uh, acupuncture and whatnot. Uh, did did that specifically, did that experience get you on that path or were you already kind of going on that path? Yes, I had a sort of this from a young age interest in Eastern spirituality. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I remember as a child being really into cartoons where the characters were meditating 
right? Where we're working with chi uh, from a young age. That was something I was very much attracted to. That was like the last air, airbender kind of stuff. Exactly. That's specifically <laughs> that one. And there was okay. a show called Teen Titans. There was a character named Raven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who okay. uh, was always like meditating and chanting. And I was really into just that archetype. Right. Right. So when I, I came of age, right, when I went through this sort of initiation, that's really the only reference of spirituality that I had in combination with those things that my friend was teaching me. So mm-hmm. I just started diving into what I knew. So I started doing um, yoga. I started doing breathing exercises. I started working with crystals and uh, began meditating in the ways that I knew how. And these were very basic ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I went into that year-long treatment center and afterwards, that's when I became much more structured in my approach, um, mm-hmm. which I think really helps me take it to the next level because I find that it, it's useful to sort of dabble in different modalities. Like, I think there's a lot of benefit in that. Like, I learned a lot, but I have found most of my spiritual progress came from working with esoteric systems as a whole, right? Sort of seeing each level of the system as a step. And that's what I began training in during that treatment center and then after. And that's when things really took off. But my main intro was breathing exercises, meditations, crystals, and fasting. I mean, that's what I stuck with. And it, it proved successful. I mean, it was good. It was definitely better than nothing. So I'm, you know, I still use those techniques and yeah. modality day, of course. Well, at that time, when you were getting introduced to Bashar and the formula in that work, were you aware of other channelers in that space? Of- None. No. I knew of no other channelers. I didn't even know that Bashar was a channeled entity at that time. I thought this was just a really smart guy who closed his eyes and like the words of God came out. That's what I thought. You know, I was like, this is right? just what happens when you meditate for a hundred years. Like this guy's just, you know, like an enlightened genius. That's what I thought when I saw it. And then right, right. I don't think it was until much later that I put together that this was like an extraterrestrial being. I, I can't, it's, it's actually vague trying to remember when I realized this. Right. Uh, but I must've been at some point it must have been before I went to the treatment center. I think by that time I had recognized there was an extraterrestrial connection, but at first I had no concept of that. Yeah, I get a lot of comments on um, the first episode of my show when with uh, Wendy, her eyes are closer. And like everybody's like, "Why is her eyes closed? What? Why? Why can't she talk with her eyes open?" And so there's a lot of, you know, the newbies who aren't familiar with the channeling process. Well, that first entity that came through, uh, I wanted to get into the name change before, but was that Ryok before or that was coming through? The first entity I channeled was a Pleiadian being named Mira. And uh, this was part of the confirmation I had received that there was a genuine dimension to the channeling because once I got that name, I immediately got on Google, Googled Mira Pleiadians. And sure enough, there were other people channeling this. It was a specific collective of Pleiadians called Mura. And that was what they had also told me when they came through. So that was the first entity I channeled. Oh, you know what? I think Lisa Royale actually has mentioned that group. Really? Yeah. I love all these cool details. That was the, that was the first experience with like entity channeling, you could say, right? Where I was mm-hmm. consciously like, I'm going to channel a Pleiadian being. Let's see what comes through, right? And that was... The first thing that came through, uh, and I stuck with channeling that for 
probably a couple of years. Um, and at a certain point, I let go of channeling that entity. I would almost, and I, I really valued the work that I did with that being too. It was very, to me, significant. Um, I would describe working with Mira sort of like booster rockets on a space shuttle, right? It's like these beings were helping me to go as high as possible. And then eventually, right, they detached. And that's when I was able to go, right, mm -hmm. even higher and connect to what I perceive to be more, you could say, technical spiritual channeling, which I feel the Sasani people provide. Um, so once I had let go of channeling Mira, um, that's when I started working with the Sasani because it felt more natural. And there was a sort of vortex connected to it that I was very attracted to. Um, for example, I would post on YouTube recorded channelings I would do. I'd experiment with all these different beings. One day I'd channel the Lyrans, then I would channel mm -hmm. the Syrians, so on and so forth. And certain amounts of people would gravitate to it, right? And I'd be like, oh, that's cool. These people are into this group. These people right. are into that. And then when I started channeling um, what I perceived as the Sasani Collective, mm -hmm. that was when like a lot of people just like flocked to it. And I was like, whoa, there's something about this energy mm -hmm. that is very powerful and, and the evidence of this, right? There's so much, so many more eyes and ears on it. So mm -hmm. I was just curious. I was like, why is this one so much more attractive? Right. So much seemingly substantial <laughs> in terms of the attention. So I started just training and channeling the Sasani. And I went from channeling the collective into channeling a specific being. And to mm -hmm. do that, I actually had like a, a team I was working with. Um, there were some really cool people in this team. I hope they watch this too. That'd be really cool if they see this. But it was a bunch of people, it was probably six of us, that were all really excited about channeling a Sasani being. So we would all take turns going into the trance state, bringing through a Sasani being. And it was specifically a Sasani channeling group. Mm -hmm. now, there were some really brilliant people in that group too. Uh, really sweet people. I, mm -hmm. I, I've lost touch with, with, I think, all of them pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, but they and they were local was, to you there. And, and this this was online. This was online. online. Okay. It, some of these people were in like Prague. Some of them, I think, were in Germany. Oh, um, okay. One guy was in Ireland. Right, there's people from all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, but one day, I said to them, "Okay, I'm channeling this sort of general Sasani collective energy, but I want to move past that. I want to channel a specific being. So, what I want all of you to do is when I bring the being through." essentially grill it on its name, right? Get like, and I get some type of term to address it from right. it so we can repeat this and like pull sure. it through again and again and again. So when they first um, brought the being's name through, in my mind, it came out Ryo, right? Mm -hmm. But at the time, I thought it was too... Uh, I feel like I filtered it, if that makes sense, right? Because I was sure. still, like, that was the first time I feel like I had taken channeling to that level. So it was mm -hmm. a part of me that was nervous. So when the name first came through, it was um, Ryok slash Ryok. There was this K there. Um, and for a while, I felt like this name's working, right? I'm using this name, the beam's coming through. But I started to question, you know, was that actually the beam's name or did I kind of warp it a little bit? in mm -hmm. this, you know, sort of biased attempt just to get a name, 
right? And my yearning for sure. a name warped yeah. the name. And I sort of struggled with that for maybe the first year or so while channeling. And then eventually I was like, let's just, I feel like his name's Ryo. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like that's what the name is. Let's just drop the K and see what happens. And uh, sure enough, I think when I dropped that information became incredibly streamlined. Like I felt like it was more accurate in terms of representation of his energy. And which was, which was sort of interesting because during that time when I decided to drop the K, I was listening to this really hilarious and spiritual podcast um, that Duncan Trussell, the guy from the Midnight Gospel. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he was talking to one of his, uh, David Nittern, his meditation teacher. Who's okay. Really, he's really cool. And uh, he, was he, he was on Midnight Gospel, right? The, he plays the himself teacher. in the Midnight Gospel. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Right, right. Wow. And um, pretty much he's talking about, uh, the energy of different letters and how a K sound has to do with cleaving, the cutting. It's a type of masculine sort of severing energy. And then immediately after, he's like, and an O is more feminine. It's like a womb. It's about opening. And mm. that's when I realized like, oh man, like if I keep the K, the Ryok information will potentially have this sort of cleaving energy, which is useful. You mm -hmm. know, I think sometimes when we have like negative attachments, negative beliefs, a cleaving or a cutting energy is pretty useful, yep. right? So you're in the sure. kitchen, a steak knife will be easier than a spoon if you need to cut something, right? So Absolutely. Yeah. I think the K, that cutting action is useful for a while, but the O, I think, is much more representative of where we are headed as master manifestors, right? Because mm -hmm. if it is, if the O is this womb energy, then having as the last letter of this being's name, I felt would really fortify energy that I channel with that womic frequency. Sure. So that was what I ended up going with. And it just, it felt right. It felt like yeah. something I should do. And, and yeah, it's, he's been Ryo ever since. I think at least almost a year now, I think using right. that name. More, it's, it's challenging to remember specifically, probably a little less than a year, I think. Yeah, I think our last uh, engagement when we did the the live events uh, with Gita, uh, it was still Ryok at that time. So that was over a year ago. Because I'm sure people were wondering. I, I know I was wondering. It's like, oh, okay, interesting how the, the name changes and the reasons behind that. Have you listened to? Uh, so there was a guy that was in the New York area named Andrew who used to channel uh, the Sasani being Elon. Have you heard of his, his work and have you listened to yeah. any of his stuff? Oh, sure. Yeah. I really am. I'm into it. Not as like a hardcore fan. Like there's a lot of people who like, they're totally into the material. They know it yeah, yeah. much more than I do, but <laughs> I'm into it like the way a detective's into a mystery mm -hmm. where it's like, whoa, this dude was like the OG. There's probably people before him, but in terms of what was on the internet, it's like, this guy's the OG. This dude also just sort of dropped off. Like he's still alive, yeah. as far as I know. He's doing. Yeah. Uh, I think he's he was a chiropractor, a, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he's doing music uh, with his partner in. I think they live in Switzerland or Norway or somewhere over there. Yeah, I've I've actually been in touch with them a little bit. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. I've I've been so curious about him and his journey because he, he got into this. And then sort of put it down, it seems, which that to me was mind blowing because there is such longevity with this energy. You can just keep going with yeah. it and there's always new insights. Mm -hmm. There's always new levels to explore. So I was really curious and 
really why he put it down, right? And why he moved into this direction. That's that, I'm I'm hoping I'm gonna have here have him here on the portal at some point. He he did say we'd be talking in the future. So um it's interesting. Uh, he I guess he had been following some of my work and we reached out, he reached out to me on Instagram, him and his partner. So I know there's still the curiosity is there for him and he's still sort of following uh, to a certain extent. So hopefully he'll watch this. These are all questions that I've had too. What were the reasons for the, you know, sort of fading out? And it was in, and, and then that whole, initially the energy was Bashar and then it came out as uh, Elon. It sort of shifted over a course of time. And then, you know, simultaneously Daryl is doing his thing with Bashar on the West coast in LA. And, uh, and then at the same time, uh, I also interviewed Ayako in Japan, who was also channeling Bashar um, at uh, around the same time in the late 80s, early 90s. But yeah, so it was just the, the whole Sasani, I'm sure 20 years once channeling is a mainstream thing, it's becoming more and more, but we'll have some sort of Bible of this person did this and this is why, and we'll, we'll figure out all this, but we're still in this kind of... Uh, unknown phase of of connecting the dots like you said the hardcore investigators i feel like i'm in that camp um trying to connect the dots uh but it it is the the the, the sasani lineage of channeling in uh in the human collective it's it is a fascinating uh study right oh sure yeah i've i've wondered so much about it because i mean even with our planet right and the different regions on the planet right there's the sasanian empire and things like this and all types of really powerful uh sort of abrahamic mystical traditions that come from there like there's so many sasani empire could you get into that one yes so i know very little about it Mm -hmm. bashar touched on it before but there's essentially there was an empire called the sasanian empire um literally the empire of Sasani, right? It's like on our planet in the Middle East. I was just reading about this group called the Mandaeans. Uh, and mm-hmm. they're sort of this Gnostic Abrahamic sect that is connected to that empire. And it's their beliefs are incredibly interesting. They've been almost wiped out because of uh, extremism, religious extremism in that area right now. But the point I'm making is the spiritual traditions that I've seen connected to that area are incredibly powerful. Zoroastrianism is also connected to that area, I believe. A really like just stuff that's it's sort of secretive, right? The right. types of practices they have. But if you look at the cosmology, if you look at uh, the beings that they're working with, the, the systems are inque- incredibly well-rounded. Um, and they tend to be, in my experience, incredibly powerful um, because they're working primarily with angelic beings. And any time I've encountered systems of angelic magic, it tends to be incredibly effective. Uh, so the reason I'm making this point is yeah. things I've seen coming out of the area where the Sasanian Empire existed seem to be incredibly potent things. Uh, so, so you think I they was, were tapping into that energy then from the yeah, hybrid Sasanis? so. I think okay. so in some way. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, and in addition to channeling, you going back into just what you were just saying, uh, I even forget the, the Zoronic or something. So you have quite oh, the, the Zoroastrian. 
yeah, Zoria Zoroastrian. So uh, I've noticed over the years too, you're diving deep into researching past civilizations and, and past groups and belief systems. And your 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 personal library or vocabulary is expanding greatly through, I guess, your personal research. And I'm just curious on how's that going and why why are the, you choosing those paths? And then how is that affecting the channeling itself? Sure. So I started getting into esoteric practices because I felt that the beings I would listen to that were channeled would make wonderful claims. And I've had evidence that their claims were legitimate. The right. awakenings I had mentioned <laughs> so on and so forth. However, I also felt that it almost to me seemed like these beings were talking about life from a higher vantage point. Sure. Yet on earth, it's like most people don't have that vantage point. Most people feel somewhat disconnected from it or they have some type of relationship to it, but it's sort of wishy-washy. They're like, sometimes I feel connected. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm getting the messages. Sometimes I don't. And I just wasn't satisfied with that. I felt like that relationship with spirituality to me didn't feel substantial. It felt sort of like uh, it's still flimsy, if that made sense. This sort of mm -hmm. sense of, well, I believe in this. I've had some experiences, but I don't really know how to recreate it. Mm -hmm. but I didn't, I didn't like that. It didn't feel good to me. So I got into the esotericism specifically. So I would be permanently immersed in that spiritual reality in an unwavering manner. I wanted the spirit world, in a sense, to be just as real, if not more real in the physical world. I wanted that to yeah. be sort of my life mission. And it's, it's proving, it's continuously proving successful. These things work. They've survived mm. up until this point for a reason, right? Humanity sure. wouldn't have kept them if they were, you know, um, just nice things that didn't really do much. So I started practicing Taoism, Taoist mystical arts, um, working with different teachers. Um, I'm very much influenced by the works of Montauk Chia. Um, that's okay. uh, lineage that I'm connected to. So I've trained mm -hmm. in their lineage, um, certified to teach many of the practices in it. Um, I've worked uh, significantly with Damien Eccles, who teaches uh, ceremonial high magic. Uh, this is Kabbalistic magic, working with archangels and the Kabbalistic tree of life to essentially awaken one's consciousness. Um, I've spent a little bit of time practicing techniques from the Four Winds Institute as well. Um, there was a teacher I met in Peru who was certified under them, and I trained in some of their energy healing and ritual uh, practices, but it was very brief. That's probably the least, you know, um, immersed I've been in any of these systems is with the um, shamanic South American stuff, but it is nonetheless incredibly powerful mm -hmm. and potent. And pretty much what I noticed was the more energy I fed into these systems, the quicker my consciousness expanded. Um, some parts of that journey were like very challenging because mm -hmm. As you know, when you're expanding your consciousness, you come up against resistances. And sure. sometimes those resistances can come in all types of forms. Sometimes the resistances are in your external relationships. Sometimes it's in your personal behavior or your mindset. And sometimes the attachments to those resistances can be powerful. So there were like many destructive processes in my life that these systems initiated, but also guided me through. Mm -hmm. um, and they've ultimately helped me to really, you know, know myself in a pretty unwavering way. And so, I, so is it safe to say, 
Okay. Safe to say when you start going down some of these rabbit holes to uh, experience more light, you have to shed the dark. So, uh, yeah. so in order, and then, so that just sort of raise brings a lot of, um, chaos into one's life. Oh, sure. Sure. And the other thing too, this is, I, I like talking about this cause it's really fun to yeah. me. It, it's, it's, I don't get to talk about this a lot, so I, I enjoy it, but they increase your magical potency, which means your ability to make things happen. Okay. Your ability to like, think about something and call it in, right. It increased. Sure. So right. you start getting a lot of what you want. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You're like, oh, wow, I wanted to date that girl. And look, here she is. Or, oh, I wanted right, this right, experience right. and here it is. But then what you realize is when you get most of this stuff, you're like, oh, I didn't actually want that. I just thought I did. What I really was looking for was like this type of feeling mm -hmm. where I was looking for this other type of thing. So it will show you really what you want and what you don't want, what's true for you and what's not true for you. But it doesn't do it in an intellectual way. It does it through direct experience. So you have to live the consequence out. Um, but it will also carry you through it, I've noticed. Um, and sometimes that process would be graceful, right? I would surrender to its guidance, be like, all right, show me the way to navigate through this chaos right. I've created. Other times I'd be like, I can't trust anything. Ah, it's all falling apart. Oh no. And you know, then it would be kind of like being pulled through the mud, you know? Um, right, right. So Beauty, though, in all this is once all that purification happens, which is a constant thing, right? Purifications are always happening. It's like we mm -hmm. have to shower every day. We have to energetically purify ourselves each day. But once most of that muck and grime and, you know, uh, negativity has been transformed, then there's this really nice evenness that begins to manifest where you're still experiencing bliss. You're still experiencing negativity, but you're not really attached to either of them. They're both mm -hmm. just interesting, right? One feels ecstatic. One mm -hmm. might not feel that great, but they don't move you to the point of feeling like there's a problem or there's this thing you need to hoard because there's only so much of it, right? It sort of reduces or eliminates that I need to chase this thing or I need to push that thing away mentality. And mm -hmm. what we're left with is an ability to sculpt your reality using energy in whatever way you want. And and enhance psychic perception to be able to navigate the challenges of your life with ease, grace, and manifestational power so you can shift things as needed. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing. The stuff that yeah. a person becomes capable of is uh, really wonderful. So. Well, going, it seems like that energy is, uh, we often see in our gurus and in shamanic medicine spaces uh we you know there's a lot of stuff going on in, in central and south america that is um somewhat of the dark side and, and a lot of people are searching and and then they following a specific guru or something and then it turns out that guru is doing some really dark stuff dark magic oh, sure. Sure. and there's a lot of that and i've seen through my uh, experiences and in investigations i've seemed to see a lot of that uh, coming around or it's always been there but it, now it's it's coming out so um so what is that what is that it sounds like you've got to taste a little bit of that is it the manifestation of that that being able to manifest things really quickly and having that power is do people yeah. get attached to that power totally yeah that can be a slippery slope in yoga and i've seen this mainly in buddhism they mm -hmm. talk about these magical powers as cities that's the word they use and what they say is cities 
S-I-D-D-H-I, Siddhi. Okay. It's, it's pretty much, um, I believe it's Sanskrit. It's a Sanskrit term for psychic or magical power. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these powers are interesting. The ability to make oneself the size of an atom, the ability to stretch to the size of the universe, the ability to teleport, time travel, the ability to command right other people in all types of different ways right it, mm-hmm. it becomes unlimited because you're in your spiritual practice you're essentially merging with god mm-hmm. right source yeah. when you merge with source you become the very fabric of existence therefore it's like you're the ultimate hacker of the matrix right you can do really whatever you want because you're not bound by the same laws of newtonian physics as many people seem to be right um, yes it becomes an attachment and in many of these systems specifically buddhism they say when the city's awakened let them go. Like, just keep focusing on merging with the source. Don't give them any power. Now, that's a very Eastern approach. Mm-hmm. The Western approach is, oh, you have powers? Milk that for all it's worth. Use right. that to sculpt your life. So there's mm-hmm. a big difference in Western magic versus Eastern spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tend to blend both. I mean, I clearly have a preference for the type of life I live. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm going to use magic, power, whatever it is. Uh, law of attraction, whatever you want to call it. Because law of attraction is sort of the same thing, but it's just kind of a mental version. There's less right. energy work. Um, but it's the same premise, right? You're going to use your will to create reality. I do that, right? Most of us do that. Whenever mm-hmm. we idea and we say, oh, I want a girlfriend or oh, I want a cheesesteak or oh, I want to be strong, right? It's like we're mm-hmm. using our will to summon that. But most people only know how to summon those things in physical ways. Mm-hmm. A magician or a depth or a master they know how to do that on the energetic level happens right. much more quickly but yes people can get attached and in the dream space oh and in the dream space too yeah yes, there's absolutely. a lot of uh well there's a lot of seems like there's a lot of people are familiar with that energy in the dream space and use that to communicate with the higher versions of ourselves or stuff and can uh, i've heard a lot of dark manipulations that happen in the dream dream space so we have to uh be aware of i think when we're dreaming next week we're going to get into dreaming so uh, just kind of planting those seeds right now um but fascinating and it's it's it sounds very much like you know jedi powers you know the dark force and then the the force right it's yeah it's, it's it's exactly that yeah and i always tell people if you're gonna do magic or if you're gonna use these cities Practice gray magic, right? Honestly, I think that's the best approach because white magic, gray magic. Would all, yeah. So white magic would all, would be completely about just merging with the source, mm-hmm. using all of your magical ability to commune with God, whatever you want to call it, right? And just create infinite, you know, blessing, right? Okay. Black magic is seen as using energetic power to satisfy um, one's selfishness. Right. Sure. So that might be using magic to hurt somebody, mm-hmm. but that might also be using magic to make a business deal go your way. Right. Right. It's like you're using magic to get outcomes for the little self. Right. Now, I would describe gray magic as magic that's involved with merging with the source and also making sure things sort of go the way you'd like for them to go in your life without causing harm to people. That's the big disclaimer, I would say. You're using your magic to sculpt your life, to connect with God, to create what it is you want, but without harming people. And I think if you stay in that area, following that guideline of do harm to none, just like in medicine, Mm -hmm. you're going to be okay. You're going to be all right. 
Right. So that's what I recommend people practice because there's nothing wrong with using magic to create the life you want. Using magic to hurt people, though, it's like that does have real consequences. I mean, sure. I've seen consequences happen where people will use magic to curse someone. Like within sometimes hours, something terrible will happen to the person right. who initiated the curse. Um, I've seen that firsthand. And it's crazy because black magicians, we don't have to spend too much time on it, but I find it very fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's right. around that because the idea is, right, that it's everything's a mirror, right? So if you curse somebody, it comes back to you. But there's some mm. black magicians that have actually found ways to offset that where they wow. take sort of the karmic signature mm-hmm. that is theirs and they'll hand it to somebody else. Oh, so the mm-hmm. energy backlash won't go to them, goes to the other person. Um, my that can't be la- that can't last that long though. Okay, I mean there's got to be some sort of. I think that yeah, I have a feeling if you do that enough times, yeah, for long enough, you got to pay the piper. My hunch is, and I hope it's okay getting this. My hunch is that's something that's been happening with world governments, where oh, oftentimes yeah. because you think of the governments, right? Many of them act in ways that are incredibly toxic and destructive right, for the yeah. global community. Yet oh, it seems they have no consequence. Right. It's like, well, who's bearing that consequence? My hunch is it's actually the citizens. You know, my hunch is the citizens right. are bearing that karma through the interesting entanglements that exist between citizens and governments. Sure. Um, but anyway, that's yeah. just no, what we can, I, I have. Yeah, I, I like it. That's, uh, okay. that's, that's, these are the rabbit holes I like to go down. Um, Thank you. So uh, before, do you want to take a few questions as, as Tyler here before we sure. get into the the channeling stuff. Okay. Oh, Will's got his hand up. Um, go ahead, Will. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey, Will. How's hey, it going? Thanks for this. Really loving hearing you talk. People have been facing putting this together. Um, so uh, my question is, is kind of personal. So I'm, I'm taking everything you're saying and, and really relating to that part about being dragged through the mud. I kind of feel like that's been happening to me. And I've been out running it and out running it and out running it. And it like, it just won't turn. And uh, I wanted to hear, you know, from your life experience, when you've been in that kind of time, you talk about grace and kind of acceptance and allowing, but if you could um, impart some wisdom or some guidance or even just your own perspective on your life, when you've been in the mud, I'd really appreciate that. Yeah. Great question. Thank you for, for sharing that. I think. I think we all can relate to that too, the, the being dragged through the mud at times. I mean, it, it, it's a part of the human experience and you nailed it. I think that the first things to really do when that's happening, right, is accept that it's happening. Be like, okay, right now, I'm sort of getting my ass kicked. I hope I can curse on here. I'm getting my ass kicked by life and um, doesn't feel good, right? It's important to accept that and to recognize that the surrendering of yourself to that process really is what will help carry you through that because there is a risk sometimes when we feel like our our butts getting kicked by life there's a tendency that people have to project that onto others they'll blame other people for it they'll blame themselves for it and that's all the ego resisting that process and all that that does is extend the duration of that process and make it more painful so the surrendering of oneself to that process so essential so you nailed it those in my opinion are two essential steps for anyone going through that process. Now, just because that's happening, it doesn't mean that you can't do anything to improve the situation. There's many things you can do to help yourself during those times. I'll speak about 
physical reality things you can do, and then we'll move into energetic things. But I would say if you're able to, during that time, relax as much as you can, right? Really take time just to sort of be incredibly yit, right? Spend like an hour just laying on the earth in Shavasana, right? Do very passive things. Take time off work if you're able to. Spend time just sort of by yourself, right? So you can really let those energies flow through you. If you're constantly having to respond to the world, it's going to distract you from that process, right? So sometimes it's good to be alone for a little bit, be slightly hermetic while that's happening. In combination with that, what I would advise is make sure you're doing things to remain healthy. Make sure you're drinking enough water. Make sure you're doing some types of exercise. Um, make sure you're eating right. Um, make sure you are detoxifying yourself. Uh, make sure you're doing some light fasting, whatever's appropriate for you. Some people, they're diabetic, they can't really fast. But if you're not one of those people, right, light fasting just to help yourself eliminate the excesses that have built up. It'll also stimulate that letting go. I think all those things are useful. That's sort of the physical reality stuff I would say to deal with. The second thing I would say is begin some type of spiritual practice, some type of spiritual training. Now, there's a lot of Eastern techniques that are very popular. And I think for people that have a lot of Eastern past lives, right, the Eastern spirituality is very useful. For people in the West, um, I think it can work well for using Eastern techniques, but I find Western techniques, Western high magic can be useful. Um, and I would say just begin training some type of basic uh, technique that can purify your consciousness and help you to maintain balance. Develop some type of energetic ability that can allow for you to detox negativity and call good energy in. That might sound general, but that's because, you know, I'm, I'm, this is sort of a quick question we have to do. You know, um, I normally train people and I'll give people two main practices. The first practice is the Taoist inner smile. And the six healing sounds. These are the two techniques I normally teach people to practice. You can find them on YouTube. There's books on them. So those will help you during these times. And then for people that are more Western-minded and they need something very powerful, not subtle, but like potent and powerful, I normally teach people what's called the Lesser Banishing Ritual of the Pentagram. It's a big name, I know, uh, but it's abbreviated as the LBRP. Um, these techniques, if done consistently at least twice a day, will shift the energy trajectory and they'll do it pretty quickly. Um, so those would be the things I would recommend. And the final thing I'll say, um, sometimes I forget this because we live in a digital age, you know, where we can kind of, you know, never have to leave our apartments, right? We can order everything, but uh, make sure you're staying connected to the people that you love, the people that you care about. Make sure you keep that sense of community, you know, strong during those times because, uh, when we know we're not alone, it is easier to go through our processes, you know? And when we put others first, I know that might sound strange, but when we put others first during our times of suffering, it can alleviate our suffering, right? When you choose just to be loving to someone else, right, without expecting anything in return, this can sometimes instantly transform the, uh, the energies that you're dealing with. And um, sometimes when we're suffering, we want the other person to be like an ear for us, you know, take all of my suffering, listen to my problems. But that really just, you know, drives most people away, right? Unless they're like a Buddha and they can just absorb your suffering and convert it. You know, most people get overwhelmed by it. So what I would say is keep the people you're close to close, 
But when you're with them, focus really on them. Focus on bringing them up as best you can. And you'll find your own suffering, your own negativity um, starts to evaporate. So these are the main points I would uh, suggest to focus on to support you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, You're very thanks, welcome. Thanks, Will. Uh, David, do you want to ask your question? Evie, we can hop in with your question. Sure. Hey, guys. Uh, nice to meet you, Tyler. I'm Evie. Um, you talked a lot, of, or not a lot, but you touched on something that was really interesting to me, which is the Abrahamic religions and the Sasani Empire in the Middle East, which kind of aligns with a theory that says there's like a portal there that's very strong and is kind of the origin of a lot of the conflict that's there. Um, one thing that I've been kind of reading about and going back to like original texts, if I can, um, like reading translations of the Dead Sea Scrolls and Gnostic documents. Have you have you come across anything around the Essene prophecies for um, the end times? Or I guess because uh, because it's starting to get a little scary to me, the things that I read, it's starting to look a little interesting. So I wanted to know if you've come across anything. That's your- a really good question. Evie, thank you for bringing that up. So I have actually been needing to get into the Essene stuff. That's sort of next on my to do list for exploring. I have barely touched Essene material. I have only really superficially come across that. But in terms of like, you know, I'm going to sound maybe a little archaic here, but end time prophecies, right, across many world traditions, it seems that right now that's what we're in. Um, And I I don't think that's a bad thing. But a lot of people hear that and they're like, oh, great, we're in the end times. It's like, (laughs) well, yes, the end times are a time of decay. For sure. But look at many of the things in our world, right? There are certain decays that are needed, right? There are certain imbalances our societies produced that need to be corrected, right? Because it's it's hurting the planet. It's hurting the citizens of the planet, both you know humans and animals and plants. So there are certain destructions that are needed. Destruction's not, right? We Many people are brought up in the tradition that says only life-giving things are good and destructive things are bad. But that is not true because it Sources everything, sources both the angel of life and the grim reaper, right? It's like you, it can't be one or the other, right? It's, it's both. So the end times are not the end of the world. The end times are not the end of humanity, right? They are the end of the oppressive systems that are hurting the earth. Um, and in that time, that is sometimes described as the Kali Yuga um, or the, you know, the, uh, apocalypse, whatever you want to call it, there are times where the common person gets caught up in that decay because of entanglement with these things. Um, and it, it, it involves suffering on a mass scale, and it's a shame. I'm not making a prediction. I'm talking about what's happening right now. You know, right now they're suffering on a mass scale. And it, you know, I wish that weren't the case. I, I, I really wish for all beings to be able to be happy and peaceful and abundant. Um, but what these texts all say is pretty much the following thing. When a person has this divine alignment and spiritual power, it becomes incredibly challenging for these decaying forces to touch them. If you look at a lot of these masters, right, be it a Taoist master or a Kabbalistic master, they're incredibly young up until the point when they die, right? It's like their youthfulness is preserved. This is showing you, right, that the system preserves vitality, prevents decay. 
when people align with whatever these practices or systems are, um, it like protects them from the violences and harms, right, of the world around them. I've experienced that firsthand. Um, I, I won't give the whole story here, but pretty much I was almost robbed, you know, at gunpoint. And I was just doing these techniques during the robbery, had nothing taken from me and ended up telling the robber, hey, man, I love you. And he was like, oh, my God, I love you, too. I'm so sorry. And he stole things from the people next to me. It was a group of us that got robbed, but I had nothing taken. I had no harm done to me. And I walked away blissful, which was crazy. I never thought I could do that. But that was an example, right, of what these practices can do. So if people are aligned with this spirituality, it is a protective mechanism. It doesn't mean that you won't get when the storm comes, but it's like you're in a house when the storm comes. That's what it's like. Maybe the house has like a leaky roof. You get some drops on you. Okay, not the end of the world. But for most people that don't have this, it's unfortunate, but it's like they're in a storm just totally naked. You know, that's what I have experienced personally with these things. And that's what I think the trajectory will be as we move through these times of change. It won't be all bad, right? Because with every death, there is the birth on the other side of that tunnel. And that is the new earth, the golden age that people talk about. And I firmly believe we will experience many dimensions of that in our lifetime. Um, it will reach its peak, I believe, after our generations, but we will reap its benefits, I believe, prior to that. And I think a big part of that is uh, involved in extraterrestrial content, what people have described as open contact. I think that that is sort of the wild card, if that makes sense, where once you know, open contacts achieved, that's like letting the genie out of the bottle, right? You can't put the genie back in, but it also changes up every paradigm. So I think that open contact is something humanity should strive for, really, because I think that is the thing that will really alter our trajectory in a tremendous way um, and will unlock some of these potential paradise versions of Earth where the utopian realities are much more proximal. So I, I hope that was, uh, was concise. I hope we addressed your question. Yeah, I did. Thank you. You're very Thanks, welcome. Uh, uh, David, did you want to try your, your sound yeah. again? Does it sound oh. good now or what? Yeah, there you go. I just wanted to thank you actually, um, Tyler, because recently you put up a, a I guess the permission slip video, you and, uh, and Ryo about this ET ambassadors thing. And I thought that was amazing. So I just wanted to say that was, uh, a lot of thanks for that. Uh, that was really good. I think it was on your YouTube channel, if I remember correctly. So, yes, yes, that's the most recent video we have on there. Thank you for for uh, yeah. appreciating. And I wanted to ask you a, a question because it's not very often we get to talk to you as Tyler. It's always I always see you as Ryo usually, and I'm always curious with channelers that go through this experience. And you talked about how you were sort of bootstrapped and kicked ahead in this process when you were younger. What happened afterwards with regard to like your friends and family and everything else? I mean, did you sort of, some people like they stay attached to the ones they had and others, they just completely disconnect and they start fresh. How does that work for you now? I'm just a bit curious. Yeah, I know that's a bit of a personal I, question, but. That's, that, that, I, I, I appreciate it though. It is, it is personal. I don't mind getting into it because I think that um, it's like therapeutic to talk about these things. I think it's also useful for folks that are listening and maybe are going through a similar thing. Um, what I have found is um, I definitely have shed most relationships. Um, mm. I really, at this point, only have the relationships that I would consider to be essential 
So that's like for me right now, family, clients, and um, people I'm working with for channeling projects and contact events, um, you know, pretty much through the internet around the planet, right? Now, to most people, that might sound like kind of lonely. It's like, well, you don't have a lot of friends. You don't see a lot of people. And what happens with these practices, these energetic practices, is the following. You no longer depend on people for happiness. And that can lead one to live a very hermetic life where you're not really seeing other people. You're spending most of your time alone. That's pretty much what I do. Aside from clients, I am by myself most of the time, which I prefer. Um, not because I don't like people, but because I find that during my time alone, I'm doing these practices, I'm reading, I'm learning. And then when I do go out and see people, it's like a party because I don't do it super often, you know? Um, now do I want to stay at this level forever? Not necessarily. No, I do seek relationships, right? I do seek romance. I do seek wonderful friendships. I'm open, of course, to these things. Um, but I also have become much more selective, right? With who I, I let in because there's this idea, right? That you are your reality, right? And your reality is you. Therefore, who you spend your time with, who you give your energy to on a consistent basis will have a big, you could say, effect on what happens in your world and your spiritual development. So my desire is for both romance and friendships to cultivate relationships that are um, completely nourishing to those things. I, I welcome challenges to those things because that's how those practices get stronger. With no challenge, right, you get very weak, no exercise. So I welcome the relationships that bring the challenges, but I desire to have relationships where it's not all challenge. You know, in the past, many friendships or relationships that I would have would have challenges that were like kind of devastating, you know, sometimes just unbearable where you're like, I'm getting way less than I'm putting in, right? Why do this? You know, so that's caused a great deal of letting go. Um, but it, it, at times that's been painful. I think anytime we let go, it hurts. You know, I mean, unless you're like a sociopath and you let go of someone, you're like, oh, thank God. Well, I'll never do that again. It's like if there were, you know, meaningful things about that relationship, you know, even if the relationship did cause a lot of pain, right, there'll still be this hurt because you're letting go of something that did at one point bring beauty and and love into your life, right? Um so I don't think the letting go is always easy. I think it does have a pain to it. But that's the beauty of life. I mean, a death can be painful and birth can be painful, but neither of those things are bad, right? Those are good things, right? Those are a solitary path to have, you know, your alone time and to cultivate that. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at with it right now. And oh, I, I'm happy with the relationships that I have, the ones that I've maintained to, to family. Um, and to my clients and to the people I train with, I mean, they're, they're very nourishing. I feel very uplifted by them. Not always easy, but they get easier, right? And the more you evolve, generally, the easier things get, even if there's challenge. Great. Thanks. Of course. You're welcome. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Anna Prina, you are next. Yes. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah. Tyler, wow. I, I'm so glad to meet you. I have been receiving messages for years and years and years, and I just started the conscious channeling process about six months ago. 
and it's been been interesting. Um, what I find is that um, I, I talk to everybody that I've seen channel someone. I end up having a conversation with either that being or that collective. And so what I'm finding is that I am having tons of conversations with tons of different beings. And, and yet the ones that I'm currently channeling um, in video form on my YouTube channel, I've, I've had the message that these are all different uh, forms of myself. And I'm wondering if, and and there's one that I haven't been able to channel yet, but I do have the name of of who it is. And I'm wondering, I I am, I guess my question is how, and I've heard this before, I've asked a couple of other channelers, how do you, how do you flow with this? I mean, I listen to people all the time, which is funny because when, when uh, David was just asking you the question about, you know, uh, your solitariness, it's like, I don't feel like I'm solitary at all. And I, I probably am the biggest hermit that, you know, I have like two or three people that I'm in contact with, but I feel like I'm constantly having conversations with others that I never feel like I'm alone. In fact, sometimes I'm like, okay, I just need a break from all of you for a minute. I just need to have some physical human being time. So what is your process for kind of keeping that momentum? Because I'm not um, necessarily channeling for, for clients yet. I'm not, you know, I have like 21 subscribers, you know, I'm, I'm really just starting this process and I, I want to be able to, you know, do this, but I find that, you know, if I'm not doing a video every other day, you know, it's like, it takes a while to get into that that zone or that sense that the what's really helped actually is the etheric stargate from um Pergeet and Jules that's really been sort of uh, it's quicker but what do you how did you go through that process or, or did you even have that issue it's a great question thank you for for asking it and I might sound like a little old school maybe but in my opinion the only way to get good at something and to get like masterful at it is to do it every day. If you're not doing it every day, it's not going to grow. You know, if a plant's like not getting uh, nutrition and the sunlight and the moonlight every day, it will die. You know, our skills are like this. It needs your devotion. You have to become obsessed with it. Like you have to become like totally obsessed with the practice and give yourself to it each day. When I first got serious about channeling when I wasn't just dabbling, but when I was like, I want to get good at this, I would channel every day, sometimes just by myself. I would. That's what I was going to ask. So, so how do you do that by yourself? Because I feel like I'm, I talk to them all the time, but I'm not, I'm not speaking. They're not coming through speaking. Cause it's like, I feel like, what am I going to do? Have my, are you going to go talk to my cat? You know, there, if there's not interaction, how, how does that work for you? If there's not interaction with another human asking questions or, or that can communicate with this being. Sure. Sure. It's a good question. So what I would say is go into nature or have in your space where you want to channel crystals or plants or something, right? Some type of form yes. of 
Life. I have that. Okay, already, already got. <laughs> so vocally channel a transmission of wisdom to whatever the life forms are. Okay. Channel to the forest. If you're doing it in your room, channel to the crystals, right? And what these things are okay. doing is they're acting like batteries. So they're going to be absorbing all of the energy and channel information that you're projecting with your throat chakra. So they'll absorb all of that and store it. Um, so let's say you have like a crystal that you're channeling to. Well, when you're done that channeling and you pick up that crystal and put it in your pocket and you carry it with you throughout your day, that transmission is going to be on repeat in your subconscious mind. If you're doing that to a plant in your home, well, that plant is going to be endlessly generating that transmission, right? In like your living room or whatever room the plant's in. So I would let, you know, non-human living objects be your audience. Animals might be tough because they move, uh, but I would say work with crystals, work with stones. Um, if you are excited to ever put your material online, like on your YouTube channel, you can also just channel right into the phone while you're recording yourself, knowing that your audience is sort of a future-based audience. Sure. That's you know? what I do. That's, yeah. Sure. That's, that's exactly what I did when I first started. Okay. Uh, I would just record myself while channeling, knowing someone will hear this when I'm ready to share it. So the audience was always something I felt while I was channeling, even though I didn't know them or couldn't see them at the time. Yeah. And I seem to be able to do that um, well, but I, I feel like I've been limiting myself because I'm not doing that every day. So okay. your answer was super, super helpful. So my plants are, are going to be giving me lots of, <laughs> lots of conversation. Great. I have lots of crystals. So yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Very well. One thing I do want to give you, though, because this is important and I just I just don't know, you know, your your skill level. I don't know your energy practices because I'm just taking one question. I did tell you to channel every day. So I just give some disclaimers, right, because that will make you incredibly sensitive. Psychically. Oh, God, I've, I've been yeah. that my whole life. I mean, sure. that's, I've yeah, I've I've studied lots and lots of different practices have a meditation practice for probably 30 some years so I've, right. I've got all of that um i think well in hand i do chanting so i do kirtan okay. and i do that with my plants so i don't know why it didn't occur to me to channel to my plants so but yeah i want to suggest make sure you're doing grounding practices and yes. if you do a day off here and there that's fine too you know my mentor he always says even god rested you know, <laughs> you take a day off. So feel free, you know, if you got to take a day off, it's okay. Um, but those are just the little disclaimers I want to give you just to make sure your um, energy remains balanced because it, yeah, it will blast your throat chakra. I don't. So. That's what I, I had um, for the last video. I was supposed to do a live on Instagram, but my app was all glitchy. So I ended up doing a video and I had a uh, meditative I think it's called meditative life or something like that on YouTube playing. And it was the throat chakra um, music. So it was, yeah, it was a really, it felt really potent at the time. So, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Really love Thank to you. Thanks, thanks so much. Um, we have, I, I wanted to get into channeling. Partico, did you have a quick question? If you want to make it quick or maybe. Yeah, it's just very, very, very quick okay. question. So, hi, Tyler. Hello. Hi. So are we all with that very, that's a very common Japanese name. And I thought, you know, I thought it was real. Could it, do you, yeah, do you have any connection to 
Rio and Tyler in, in Japanese, it's a common first name for, for many Japanese people. Oh, I see. My, yeah. I would say when, when Ryo first gave his name, he had said you could use either an I or a Y to mm -hmm. represent that middle letter. So I definitely hold space for it to also be Rio, even though I say Ryo, right? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes the Y sound has this E sound, especially in right Hebrew pronunciation. So, for example, the angel spelled Yaliel would actually be E-A-Liel, right? It's sort of E sounds. That would mean, you know, a Kabbalistic pronunciation, Raya would actually be Rio. So my hunch is it's probably that, but just because, you know, I'm pronouncing it in sort of like a, a Western tongue, I say Rio. I would suspect Rio is a genuine dimension to this being. It's even more genuine than Ryo. Te technically, it'd be Ryo because the R uh, is more of an L kind of sounding in Japanese. So it's Ryo. That's okay. that, that's kind of how, right? How to go? That's how you say it. Yeah, it's Ryo. Ryo. It's Ryo. a very Ryo. unique yeah. Japanese sound, I think. And, and it's usually a dragon, right? Kanji. Yeah, yeah. The first dragon. thing came to my mind was dragon. Yeah. yeah. So I, I have a hunch that's what it is. I, I got to say, I, there's been a lot happening for me personally with dragon energy um, in my own world in different ways. So I would suspect that there is a genuine connection here. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate you sharing it. It's just, I was thinking about this this morning, actually. So this question is incredibly synchronistic. Awesome. Great. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for asking, Arka. I was thinking the same thing. But I didn't have time to ask it. So you asked it for me. Perfect. Uh, well, with that said, uh, Tyler, how do you feel about going to channeling? Uh, how are you uh, doing? A short uh, break would be nice. Maybe just okay. a few moments, just to get some water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we can return and get started. And would you like to keep this uh, a Q&A? Is that the idea? Question? Yeah. If, if, you, if something, if, if, if you have something to say in the beginning, that's, yeah, that'd be great. If not, then we can go right into q and I'm just going to ask maybe one or two quick questions and then just leave it to the audience. All right. Well, um, thanks, Ruben, for having me on. And, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in as well. This has been a lot of fun to speak as myself. Yeah, it's good to hear you. <laughs> so many questions. We could go more. It's here. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking that. Like, man, we could definitely keep this going. <laughs> this yeah. is delightful. We'll do. We'll do some more then. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, I'll go ahead and get into the state, and I'll bring Ryo mm -hmm. through, and then you guys can engage. Awesome.
cool right it is our species highest joy and passion to be able to interact with you all through this particular channel in this unique way on this day how are you doing good nice to talk to you again Joe. and so exciting to speak to you in this way as well if you wish we may now begin with our opening monologue and we shall then move into the question and answer dynamic awesome all right. So to begin, we would like to emphasize the following idea. The point of spirituality in terms of how it relates to your earth experience is the following. To assist yourselves and all around you in connecting to what you might describe as your fundamental nature, which is that of source. Keep in mind, genuine spiritual practices. Genuine spiritual traditions all emphasize this primary theme. The reason we're sharing this with you at this time is because in this age of channeling, in this age of the exploration of consciousness and your multidimensionality, there can be many, you could say, interesting ideas, shiny objects, exciting stories that come your way as you explore yourself. However, exotic these things may be, it is important to remember the following. That it is your ability to open your heart and feel your connection to source and to assist others in doing the same. That is fundamentally the point. That's the reason for all of this. This is the reason why we are sharing the information that we share. This is the reason that all wisdom teachers are sharing the information that they share. This is how your earth ascends. This is how your society transforms. This is how you ground your spirituality because without emphasizing this theme, your spirituality can turn into intellectualism where you may know a great deal of esoteric wisdom. You may understand a great deal of the nuances of the astral plane, but if you are unable to use that knowledge to uplift yourself and others in a positive way, then your knowledge is not necessarily serving you. So it is important to transform knowledge into wisdom. Knowledge is transformed into wisdom through living experience. When you live the information, from your heart, then the information, then the knowledge is transformed by the spirit of the heart into a living wisdom, into a living water that will nourish you and will nourish all whom come into contact with you. When you do this, when you live from your heart, you draw to you other beings and experiences that are also heart-based. You will then draw to you extraterrestrial relationships that are also heart-based. Keep in mind, you have the phrase on your planet, as above, so below. So below, as above. This means that there are infinite varieties of extraterrestrial beings that exist. There are some that are incredibly intellectual that are not necessarily heart-based. There are some that are incredibly heart-based and are full of wisdom. Keep in mind, open contact is something that you are still, as a species, co-creating. Think of it like this. Open contact is like a cake you're all baking. And right now you are all bringing 
different ingredients to the kitchen to bake this cake. You're programming, in other words, what open contact, what extraterrestrial contact will be, what it will represent, and how it will transform your world. So when you bring your heart, your love, your wisdom, and the unity of your people to the portal that is open contact, you can rest assured that that is what you will receive in return, that it will uplift your planet, that it will uplift your world, that it will transform your institutions. It will transform your technologies. It will transform your philosophies. It will transform your religions. It will transform everything about your earth. Because happening side by side, paralleling extraterrestrial contact will be the collective merging with your species' higher self, with your species' higher mind. We'll talk about it like this. As you merge with your higher self, you become like higher selves. And in many ways, what you perceive as a benevolent extraterrestrial being is sort of like a higher self in somewhat of a literal way, in that many of them are higher dimensional. And in terms of how you interpret our craft landing, you see us landing from above onto the surface of your planet. So in all of these ways, we extraterrestrial beings really are, you could say, living representations of your higher self. So as you become the higher self, you become like us. Therefore, you draw us, you draw our world, you draw our towards the surface of your planet. In terms of a symbol you can all focus upon to awaken the higher self, what we would advise is, in terms of your Earth, pay attention to the core of your planet. Think of the core of your planet as an Earth octave of your sun, of soul. In that way, the astral level of your planet's core is that of an astral star. There is a direct telepathic energetic link between the sun of your solar system and the core of your planet. Many souls, when they come to Earth, will travel through the solar gateway, which is in the center of your sun, and will then project into the center of Earth, where they access the living memory, the living Akashic record of the Earth spirit that you call Gaia. And from here, they will travel using the ley line network to different families, whom will then become their physical families when they incarnate. So you have passed through your sun. You have already passed through the center of your earth. Your soul is familiar with these places already. Tune in to the soul memories that exist within you. Reawaken them. Revivify them so that they may serve you in the physical reality just as they served you in the spirit reality. For the higher octave, as we have said, of your Earth's core, which is, in many ways, your Earth and higher self is soul, is the sun. The higher self of the sun, in that way, is what you would describe as your star Sirius, the dog star. This is, in many ways, the higher spirit of Earth. These are the forces we would recommend meditating upon 
Ask these forces to awaken your heart. Ask these forces to assist you in transforming knowledge into wisdom. And they will serve you unconditionally. They are here to serve you. They are here to aid you in these processes. And what you'll find is your spirituality will be a living spirituality, not a philosophical or intellectual spiritual reality. It will become something that you cannot unsee. It will become something that you cannot undo. It will become the cosmoerotic glue that links you to all beings, to all forms of life. So, we thank you all for your attention in this opening monologue. And now we make ourselves available to each of you for your questions. Please begin. Thanks, Jero. That was awesome. A lot of the questions I had got, I think, in some way or another, got answered in that uh, opening dialogue. Um, however, I'm going to go a little more specific in asking, you talked about contact and about uh, a big subject that we do on this call uh, every Sunday is we talk about the new earth and what we can do to help usher that in and bring in the, that energy um, and making contact. And we're trying to build community around that idea. So what does it look like from your, from your end? I know we have to deal with the collective consciousness of humanity, but from that perspective. Sure. So we'll talk about this version of Earth that represents what things will look like during your species, golden age, as you call it. Mm -hmm. So communities, cities will be formed, will be created that are all unified by specific themes. So in other words, there will be certain locations where perhaps many engineers gather. There will be other locations where perhaps many artists gather. There will be other locations where perhaps many musicians gather. What you'll find is people will begin to gravitate towards those whom share their, you could say, creative and intellectual and spiritual ideals and passions. And what you will find is that these types of soulful expressiveness will begin to as beacons that draw to individuals their soul families. And these communities will grow larger and larger and larger. Now, it's not as if each community will have only one theme. There will be blended themes, of course, but you already have themes like this in certain cities. For example, there are certain cities on your planet that are famous for building bridges or producing steel or this skill or that skill. So that type of theme will still be present, but what you'll find is that on this utopian version of Earth, it will really expand in a powerful way that really represents themes of higher ideals, themes of which is uplifting and nourishing to the human spirit. You will also find that your species mastery of both energy and technology will allow for you to create vehicles that do not produce pollutants. It will also enable you to create technologies that through resonance, that through frequency, can eradicate pollutants within ecosystems. So your planet's ecosystems will be restored. You will also learn 
as a species, how to utilize frequency and resonance to not only detoxify bodies, but to also nutrify bodies and build bodies. And because of this, your species will require far less food. Your species will become somewhat breatharian, not entirely. Some will, but many members of your planet will be able to utilize pure energy and vibrational frequencies. Some more spiritual in nature, some more technological in nature to be able to nourish yourselves and maintain health, vitality, and youthfulness. You are already seeing some of these technologies on your earth now being unveiled. What we would say is the following. There are right now patents that have been developed for some of these non-polluting free energy machines. And much of this is now being publicly disclosed, so you are all on your way there. But you'll find that these technologies, which run off of the elemental etheric energies and higher energies, will do far more than just power vehicles. They will revolutionize about every industry there is on your planet. And this will eliminate scarcity, lack mentality, resource scarcity and things like this. These things will be eradicated as these technologies and methods are implemented on a global level. As a result, the way your economy functions will be completely different. Your value-based systems will shift because that which you value will shift. So these changes will take some time to implement. You can't necessarily change overnight in a complete way. If you did, it would perhaps be traumatic for certain people. So your collective consciousness that you mentioned earlier, your earth human collective consciousness prefers a slow and steady process of transformation rather than everything all at once. So these things will likely be slowly implemented. There's much more we could say about this. Sure. And we'll table some of that for now, but we'll give you a little hint. It involves being able to travel to other worlds. When we say other worlds, we don't necessarily mean planets exclusively. We're also referring to what you might consider to be alternate dimensions. So your species will reach a point where that is also possible and there will actually be trade, communication, and commerce shared between the alternate parallel reality versions of Earth that also possess the same technology. So you have a lot to look forward to. Yes. Exciting. <laughs> Well, I'll I'll leave it at that for now. Um, Paul has his hand up. Do you want to ask your question? Uh, thank you. Yeah, I was wondering if you could comment on uh, like sacred geometry or symmetry and how that plays into to things. Well, those represent the mathematical proportions that are then utilized by engineers to create some of these technologies. So think of it like this, what you call the Fibonacci sequence, what you talk about as your golden ratio, these two patterns represent nets and funnels that are capable of capturing energies. If these types of geometries are constructed out of particular materials, and if those materials are subjugated to different frequencies, this can allow for trappings to occur that allow these geometries to actually pull in and hold 
certain forms of etheric energy that can then be translated into different types of power. Some of this power being electromagnetic in nature, some of it being kinetic in nature. But that's what we would advise focusing on. The construction of devices that utilize these sacred geometric proportions and understanding how to work with what you consider to be the seven planetary sacred metals. Not all of them are safe to work with. Keep that in mind. However, many of them can be utilized to create some of these effects, in particular, the metal that you call copper, which in many ways represents the direction your earth is headed. When you pay attention to the Venusian energies and what they represent, you'll understand more about what we mean. Because Venus, as you know, is a representation of Inanna, the goddess who descends into the underworld, has everything taken, but is then reborn. In many ways, that is what your planet is going through. That is what you call your Kali Yuga. That is your descent into the underworld. And you're in the process now of emerging. So, enjoy. And these are some of the things to pay attention to. It's, it's kind of like what we're talking about, this ascension process, right? And how he, we can best access for us individually is to go within, you know, stop looking out, go within, sit in meditation uh, and, and, and quiet the mind. It seems like the earth, what you're saying is the earth has to kind of do the same thing, going within, bringing out this energy from within, not from without. Yes, but remember, it is always both. Right. Okay. Because while individuals are in their homes, seated in meditation, there are also people making choices that are perhaps on what you would call governmental or political levels that are perhaps not in alignment with such directions that you call the new earth. So sure. it is also important to make sure you are involved in some way that doesn't necessarily mean becoming a protester. For some, it might. That doesn't necessarily mean becoming an activist. For some, it might. But what it does mean is make sure you are involved in your human system. Use what you experience in your meditations to uplift and enrich your local communities and your global communities in whatever ways really represent your particular So it will be different for each person, but remember, remain involved in some way. Because while, yes, a total withdrawal can allow for you to personally obtain gnosis and merge with the source, if you just keep that exclusively for yourself, well, what ends up happening is the garden you're meditating in, communally speaking, doesn't necessarily get nourished in the same way. It's lesser. So it's also important to make sure you are sharing that which you receive. Make sure to remain balanced. Don't necessarily overshare, but also do not undershare. Do what nourishes you first, so you have gas in the tank, and Mm -hmm. then do what you're able to do to assist in nourishing others. And you will form a symbiotic relationship with your collective. Awesome. Yes. Uh, Evie, go ahead. Hi, I had a question. When you mentioned... um... Anana kind of going into the underworld and I'm, I'm kind of familiar with the story of Isis and Osiris and, and that myth there and how those two figures kind of represent the feminine and masculine energy as a whole. Could you kind of talk about the feminine and masculine energies of Earth right now and how 
we could better balance them inside of ourselves to kind of help the whole? Yes. Well, we'll talk about it like this, because this is a big theme for your planet. You're seeing this right now in your popular mainstream culture. These sort of questions and curiosities and sometimes imbalances with feminine and masculine energy. This is a big theme for your planet right now. So what's important to remember is you all contain masculine feminine energy, as does every single thing within existence. Now, when we say masculine feminine, we're not referring to reproductive organs in terms of identifying masculine or feminine. We are referring to energetic polarity, energetic charge. So to really simplify this, think of what you would call yin and yang. Yin representing inner, yang representing outer. All things will have yin and yang. Yang is equivalized with masculine. Yin is equivalized with feminine. Therefore, because all things have an inside and outside, all things will have a masculine and feminine energy dynamic. So when a person is, let's just say, excessively yin, this person may perhaps be incredibly shy. They may be resistant to taking action in their life. Perhaps they have an imbalance with consumptiveness, taking things in in some way. Perhaps they're undereating or perhaps they are overeating. All of these examples that we are sharing represent, in general, imbalances with the yin force, the yin power. If someone has a yang imbalance, they may be incapable of really reflecting upon their lives and their beliefs. They may be constantly distracting themselves with external stimuli. They may feel incredibly driven to climb to the top of certain organizations or programs that they're involved with. They may find themselves to be in intense competition with those around them, seeking to conquer the physical reality in some way, be that socially or economically or politically or what have you. So as you can see, imbalances with yin and yang, masculine and feminine, will occur regardless of what biological or identified gender someone is. So what is important here is to learn how to recalibrate and balance your relationship with the inner and outer reality, to get these yin and yang dimensions of yourselves to work together as a team. For example, how can the yang self serve the yin self? How can the yin self serve the yang self? How can the yin and yang reunite and copulate, link with one another, thus allowing for yin and yang, the two, to return to the one that dreamt them in the first place? That reunion of the one is what you would consider to be the first stage in enlightenment, in one's awakening. And as that reunion with the one is stabilized, the enlightenment deepens, the awakening deepens, and can turn to a second stage, potentially a third stage or even a fourth stage, depending on how dedicated one is to really marrying, unifying the forces within them. So that is what we would say about how to balance masculine and feminine energies, get the inner and outer selves to work like a team. In a sense, make love with yourself. Does that make sense? Yes, that's that was that was beautiful. And that really that ending there really brought it back to the mythology that we see it as above, so below. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Um, and Abrina, go ahead. 
Hi, Ryle. <clears throat> it's really, really nice to speak with you. And, and thanks so much for, for coming. Um, I had a question about, <laughs> I had a question about, um, I do a lot of remote energy uh, work these days. Um, I've been an energy worker for a very long time. And what I've noticed is that um, I did a violet flame meditation a little while ago. And so uh, I've been working with this small portion that was given to me and it, it keeps changing, which I understand the more that I evolve, the more that it is changing. Um, I guess my question is where, where does this come from? This, this, and it's, and it's, it's like energy light. Like if I just visualize myself filling up with a certain color and it, and it's a magenta color. Yes. We know exactly what you're speaking of. Okay. This is the light that is emanated by your North star. Wow, great. Okay. There is a particular portal here, and this portal will link with whatever star is temporarily your north star, and these two forces will then exude this magenta violet light down into the stars below, down into your planet. This energy first hits your planet's north pole, and it is then disseminated throughout the ley line network which then allows for the energy to be distributed to each and every single individual and life form. You are all bathing in this light. It is all around you. Most of you cannot see it, but some of you are learning how to. This is the same light that you see as non-visible light on your light visibility spectrum. When you see on that spectrum that, oh, we can see all these colors except ultraviolet. That's what you're actually seeing. You are seeing the ultraviolet magenta light that you are all surrounded in. So in other words, you're seeing something science says is impossible for you to see. <laughs> I want to emphasize that. For anyone else who has this ability, you are leading in terms of pushing human evolution forward in relationship to that which is perceivable to the human eye and consciousness. So at the first stage, you become aware of this light. Some people will also become aware of a sound that accompanies the light, like a high-pitched ringing. Yes. Yes. At yeah. a later stage, you will learn how to absorb this into you directly, how to compress it into your body. That's what I've been doing. It's, it's kind of weird, but yeah. At a later stage, you will learn how to transmit it. Send how it to... out? Exactly. Uh, that's what I've been doing with um, experimenting with helping a friend of mine in Pennsylvania in his workplace and just uh, energetically just or visually, you know, encompassing the whole building with this with this colored light and. It, it made huge shifts. So it was kind of like I was experimenting with doing this thing. And then he was giving me feedback of how it was affecting the dynamics between him and the other coworkers. And even, um, even the people, it was a restaurant, even the people that were coming. And I, I guess I just wanted to confirm that I'm actually doing this, even though. Yes, yes you're directing the this, this web energy. of life. Okay. We mean that it's a web of life. The electromagnetic energy that you call the ultraviolet magenta frequency contains within it all elements, all other colors. It possesses this within it. 
that was that was yeah. So go go ahead. When you transmit this, you're transmitting an energy that is capable of doing whatever job you give it to do because it has all the tools it needs built into it because all of the other colors, in a sense, are contained within it. Wow. Okay. It's gotten really dark lately, and I, I was a little nervous about the depth of color that it was, and I, I, was, I didn't feel like it was um, a darkness necessarily, but, it, but the color keeps getting deeper and deeper, like, a, a, like more and more color. It was, it was a lighter shade of magenta, and now it's just this super, super deep color. The darker magenta can also work, but if you're desiring the lighter frequency, which in general can be more therapeutic, there are two major keys. Pay attention to your relaxation and your ability to cultivate a loving state. It is the loving energy that draws it in. So if you are perhaps nervous or worried or stressed when you go to do the exercises, this may limit your ability to see the brighter violet. Okay. So spend time... In meditation, letting the dark violet light emerge at first, and then as you relax into it and go deeper into yourself, not striving to see it, but just relaxing, going deeper into your core, you'll notice it will begin to shift into a brighter magenta color once more. Awesome. Wow. Thank you so much. And I, I just like real quick, a color that came up lately to, that I'm using is actually mercury. And as soon as it showed up, I got a little nervous because, you know, for the physical body, mercury is not, is not optimal. But uh, I've been working with this. It's like that liquid silver color. And so, I was, yes. okay. Uh, could you tell me a little bit of, about that? Working with the energy of quicksilver or you're working with actual physical mercury? I'm, I'm not quite sure. It just showed up this, this liquid silver energy that in your mind's eye in my yeah. mind's eye yes right. yes yes just making sure yeah <laughs> all right all right this is a wonderful energy to work with yes this will not harm you no. this okay. will uplift you and it will boost the mercurial powers within you which has to do with communication clear cognizance spontaneous knowing of things okay and it will also assist you in understanding how to work with energy and how to work with energetic technology. This light can instruct you in all of these ways and more. It is incredibly powerful and is incredibly useful to work with. It can also be put into things. So keep that in mind. Okay. You can put this energy into your technology, into your cell phone if you wish. And you may find that your uh -huh. cell phone, your technologies, your computers may actually run with greater efficacy. They may have longer battery lives. They may have a greater ability to connect to satellite networks and things like this. It will upregulate the efficiency of technology, and it will also boost the logical cognitive dimensions of your own consciousness. So it's a very useful frequency to work with. Thank you so much. That explains so much. I, I so appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. You're very yeah. welcome. Thanks, Anna. <clears throat> um, so I'm going to squeeze in. Uh, one last question here before we go. Um, I, just for our audience and for this ongoing conversation around the hybrid children, uh, I, I know this. The idea of that is is evolving, 
but I'm just wondering to maybe take a pulse on where we're at with, with the uh, hybrid children idea from your perspective. Sure. Well, these are beings of incredible power. And we're not exaggerating here because they are like you in many ways. And you are all incredibly powerful. And they are also like the greys and many other species that have genetically been inserted into their genome. So they contain within them many divided cities or powers. Their empathy is in many ways increased, thus allowing for them to feel you, to sense you, to know you, even if they are off-world, so to say. They are masters of astral and etheric projection. So many of them are actually with you energetically, even though they are on board craft. In other words, they are able to project themselves into your aura. So when you simply think of them, you will begin to feel them. You will begin to notice them. Their role is to assist you in awakening your heart center, to awaken the inner child and to merge the inner child with the higher self at the heart. That is their main role. Some of these hybrid children will come to earth. Some of them are currently on earth. Some of these hybrid children will go to other worlds and some of them are currently on other worlds. There's not just one hybridization program, but there are many. The greys are not the only beings with a hybridization program. There are other species with their own hybridization programs because, well, the situation that the greys ran into is not unique to the greys. There are other beings who, because of imbalances, have sort of become sterile, leading to the necessity of some type of hybridization program. So this is a theme that many species have been challenged with. And they all sort of work together to learn from this and to assist species who are not sterile in being able to avoid the pitfalls that these quote-unquote self-sterilized species ran into. So these children are here to help you carve a new path, to pave a new way. The reason many of the hybrid children take on plant names, crystal names, sometimes even geographic locational names. In some instance, they'll take on names that are indigenous is so that you can connect more with the natural way, natural path. So you can assist your people in remembering this because if the natural way is abandoned, it can be lost. Remember, there has been a great deal of information on your planet that has been lost. Now it's not forever lost. It will always resurface. Because it's not really that it's permanently lost, it's just that it's forgotten and eventually someone remembers. But as your species becomes more and more technological, it is of the highest level of importance that the natural way is remembered and that it is blended with technology so it will be immortalized. Forgotten. So keep this in mind. Right now, you are all given the responsibility of learning, retaining, transmitting, and archiving your own relationship to the natural way. So that way it will last forever. It will not be forgotten. And this is one of the major roles the hybrid children are playing with your people. Does that yeah, answer it, sufficiently? 
Yes, yes. It's just, uh, it's interesting you, you bring that up at the end because a big part of the uh, hybrid ch child idea is going into this idea of unnatural evolution. And many people are sort of projecting that uh, the hybrid programs are, in a sense, evil or bad because they seem to go in a direction or people are correlating or making correlations with this um, unnatural way of evolution through the hybridization programs. And that's a direction that we don't want to go to. But however, you you know, I love how you brought it back into, yes, they are actually reminders of our <laughs> uh, natural evolution and not to forget that. So it's, it's, it's funny how um, some of these ideas are getting twisted or uh, fears are getting projected onto um, the idea of the hybrid children. Another fear that is being projected onto society is the idea of AI. Um, Elon Musk is a character that some people think is an alien from Andromeda or somewhere. Um, and his direction, he's pushing uh, evolution with ideas like the Neuralink and how unnatural or transhumanism type ideas are starting to surface. And yet simultaneously, he's also this uh, somewhat of a savior in um, uh, preserving free speech. And he talks about uh, the evolution of consciousness in, 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 a, in a sort of a positive sense. But there's this dichotomy of, of is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Would he know? So this feels like a, these themes are uh, these hybrid children, transhumanism, AI, you know, there's a positive and there's a negative to both. Yes, yes. And these things can be of service or they can be incredibly destructive. Keep Absolutely. that in mind. They can really serve your people in a wonderful way and they can also undo the fabric of your society. So it's all about balance, how you use them. It's like the power of fire, really. The mm -hmm. fire can reveal to you many things. The shaman will gaze into the fire for insights. The fire can be used to power different technologies, metaphorically and sometimes literally speaking. But the fire, of course, can also burn things down. It can also destroy and can warp the surface of the planet or really whatever it touches if it goes unregulated or uncontrolled. So that's how these things are. These things are going to be born on your planet. Keep that in mind. What we are describing here is, in many ways, the stepping stone process your species is moving through. Your species will engender AI. Your species will learn wonderful and powerful things about the genome and how to work with the genome. There will be a very powerful technological portal you all move through. Some people call it the singularity. This thing shall occur. But it does not necessarily need to be the thing that many of you fear. Remember, it's about how that portal is transversed. If you transverse it with the respect and knowledge of the natural way, if you transverse it with love in your heart and the wisdom teachings accompanying you, then this portal will serve you. Keep that in mind. The future is never set in stone. When people talk about the potential evils of these things, 
They're not wrong. We'll say that again. They're not wrong. They're just showing you one spectrum of what is possible. It is up to you as a society and as individuals to determine how these things manifest, how these things are born. Because there are many people that talk about all the wonderful things that these technologies can produce. They are also not wrong. That's another side of the spectrum. So remember, the reality is created through your attention, action, and your energy. So you get to determine how these things unfold ultimately. So remember, it looks like there is a reality around you with its own path, with its own course, but that's just a side effect of being in the body. Rather, you are the entire reality and you are the collective consciousness directing it. So, never forget your power and your ability to transform any situation into a situation of positivity and into a situation of service. Does that make sense? Totally. Thank oh. you. Yes, you're very welcome. Well, I think time-wise, we're about, we're, that was a great ending for, I think, this session. Uh, we can bring Tyler back and uh, and thank you, Rio, for sharing your wisdom and information with with uh, with our group here on this Sunday. Yes, yes, you're very welcome. On behalf of my entire species, our unconditional love and appreciation to each of you. Thank you for this exciting interaction we have shared together this day. And have fun, have a blast on your journey. I'll speak to you all again in a new way day in a new version of the now. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, never enough time. We there's so many subjects we could dive into, but I feel we we did get some some good nuggets. It feels like we're on this, as you were saying earlier, uh, the end of times. Right? That was another subject. Uh, we're on this teeter totter, right? Where we're kind of balancing these concepts and ideas of complete destroying humanity or moving into this utopian society, and we're just borderline edge. <laughs> we get there. Maybe that's how it's going to always be that way. Hopefully not. Hopefully we'll get a, a break. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think when it seems like things are falling apart, stabilizing can feel all the more precarious. But as things start to settle a little bit, which I do think we will move into, the stabilization, I think, will feel less precarious, a little bit more accessible. So I, my hope is at a certain point, this is it going to go this way or that way? Hopefully that starts to minimize a little bit. Um. We'll see. We'll see what we'll see what uh, time has in store for us. Um, either way, I mean, it's a heck of a reality show, you know. It it, 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 it that is for sure, and um, and it, but it is so awesome to have these uh, teachings and wisdom sharings from you know the other dimensions, and as that increases and gains in strength, that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about strengthening these connections that, that you're doing in your way and, and we're doing it in our way every week here. It's super exciting to hear those perspectives. So appreciate you sharing. And it feels, uh, um, it feels 
more familiar. It feels more um, attainable. We have gifted channelers like yourself that are able to bring it through this way. But I think like everybody on the on the call here, we're all doing it in our own way and accessing, if not the same energies, similar energies for for helping us uh, build out the new earth. But uh, thank you, Tyler, for your time um, and getting to know you more. And hopefully we can do uh, more of this in the future. Ruben, I would, I would love that so much, man. It was, I had a blast doing this. This, this talk flew by, you know. I, <laughs> it did. It does. It always, every Sunday I'm like, oh my God, it's just, we're, we're done. Thanks for tuning in. I uh, hope you like this interview. We actually do this every week on my membership portal page. And you can access it through interviewwithed.org or uh, click on the link uh, somewhere in here. I'll put a link and uh, come over and join us. You too can ask questions. Every week we have new special guests and you get to ask questions directly to the channelers and to the beans that they channel. So see you in the portal.